0: Hey guys, what's up? Welcome to the 32nd episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Oren Kaplan. And I'm Matt Enlow.
1: Today we've got Phil Flores, a feature film director, making his way into television.
2: Hey, I'm uh, Phil Flores. I'm a writer, director, producer. Um, First film was like this dramatic feature, and then we did a comedy, and then our third film was actually a horror film. So we called ourselves The Butcher Brothers, and we did a film called The Hamiltons. I've been a butcher brother for about 10 years. Now getting into television, less butchering, and um, more
1: televisioning. It's a great episode for people who are interested in transitioning from one mode to another. He's got a ton of great insight, especially about pitching.
0: But before we get into that, Matt, what have you been working on lately?
1: Yeah, I am, um, you know, I, I think I'm in a funny zone right now, as we've talked about a bunch before. Uh, I'm on a gig right now. I'm doing the upfronts again and then gigging around here and there. And then all of the pitches that I'd been developing in the earlier part of the year, they're all kind of. Uh, coming to some version of fruition, whether they're going to go or I have to deliver more materials or follow-up pitches or develop more. Uh, It's all happening all at once, Um, and I've been feeling super scattered lately and unfocused. So I guess the thing I wanted to talk about maybe, Oren, is like, what do you do when you're juggling a bunch of different projects all at once?
0: Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I've been thinking a lot about this also. Like to me, like a director's career is like the sine wave, right? Because you have, I always like compare it to like coming back from summer camp. When you're a kid, you like went to the sleepaway camp for the weekend. You like hugged all these girls or whatever in sixth grade. And you're like so excited. Sure.
1: Hugged all these girls.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's what you do in sixth (laughs) grade, right? I don't know. You come home and you're like, wow, my whole life has changed. Like talking to all these people. And it's like so cool. And you come home and your mom picks you up, you know, from the bus station or whatever wherever you're dropped off and they just like don't care and they're like yeah okay do your homework and i'm like do my homework do you realize like what a crazy place i was just at and then, that's like what directing is like like you do this feature film like we were a family we did this we fell this yeah. oh, flooded the oh man i'm never gonna
1: forget these people yeah. i'll see you
0: guys uh tomorrow night and then nobody cares when you come back home and like when you're in those it's like you have such high highs and such low lows and so I'm in post on one project. I'm like trying to figure out what the next project is. We were both up for a big job that neither one of us got. <laughs> and, you know, it's like, I I, I don't know. It's, I, I think that the answer is you need to kind of find a schedule and find a routine. And I keep telling my wife, OK, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'm going to go write, you know, for four hours every day, every morning at the coffee shop. And then, you know, I'm going to work on my reel and I'm going to send some emails out. and I'm going to work, talk to some production companies and tell people I'm available. But, you know, I kind of also just want to hang out with the baby and, you know, wait for stuff to happen. So, yeah, I, I, the, I, there is no, I think, straight answer. But I think if I look at successful people uh, in our field, what I notice is that they are not irked by that. They don't get mm-hmm. down in the, the low points be- while they're waiting for things to happen or while they're trying to figure out what's next don't last for very long because they're always creating and making things and pitching things. And, I mean, you're really good at, like, just having coffee with someone, you know. And I actually had coffee with Andrew T., who you oh, told good. me to have coffee with. How'd that go? Um, it was really good. I mean, he talked about some scripts he's writing. I told him some ideas for movies I had. And, I mean, it, I, I don't know that anything will happen from it. But just having that meeting, I'm like, hmm, maybe that's a guy I could talk to about the script because he... Yeah. Seems kind of like in tune with me, you know, and it's like you have to go out and you have to like just talk to people and meet people and do things and you just can't wait for stuff to happen. So I'm in that funky zone where I kind of hate myself. (laughs) Yeah. uh, And I'm hoping uh, to get some
1: discipline soon. Yeah. And I think there's that combo of waiting for things to happen and then trying to make things happen and then it all happening at once Uh, and you have to be okay with all of that always right like like you have there's so many balls up in the air and like right now when i wake up in the morning i've got six different things that i'm all taking baby steps on and so it never feels like i'm actually getting anything done which is a different sort of frustrating probably not getting paid for working on most of them today yeah today
0: right exactly yeah like you're lucky if you're getting paid for two of them right right so it's hard it's really hard to prioritize you end up right. kind of taking any job someone offers you because it's a definite thing with a right. start date and end date and a n- amount of money you're gonna
1: get yeah and i think also there's that compulsion to just do the smallest thing first so mm-hmm. you get it out of the way and then that's a good way to never finish your feature
0: yep i have i have five features and I've never started, they're really good, <laughs> all of them. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Yeah, it's uh, It's not an easy life, but I, I always tell people, like, I enjoy being stressed out. <laughs> it's like, like if I'm not stressed, I feel like something's wrong, and so I crave these times where I, I really lose myself in trying to figure out what direction I want to take my career in. Um, and when I get these times, I hate it, but I know it's like part of the growth. Sure. All part know? of the process. And I think kind of my my go-to backup if like I really feel a little lost is just to try to learn a new skill, usually like learn a new software, you know, mm-hmm. how to mix my own audio, how to make my own music, how to do my own 3D rendering.
1: Yeah. I think there is real solace in procrastinating in a way that is uh, still productive. Yeah. For sure.
0: Cool. Cool, well, man.
1: Hopefully next
0: week we both uh, have our $50 million features, $100 million features. Oh, I
1: have my $100 million. <laughs> You have your $2 million feature. Y- you know what I figured out, Oren? What? So you always talk about how you'd love to do a Marvel movie. Mm-hmm. I realized there is a Marvel movie that I would love to do, like Dream Project. Yeah. Howard the Duck. I would okay. kill to do Howard the Duck. Okay. So there's a Marvel movie. It's already movie been f- done, but okay. Sure. Well, but everybody gets to re Like a superhero, you're allowed to reboot. Requel. Yeah, I can requel. <laughs> I, I, it would be a true reboot if okay. it were Howard. But I guess that proves that there's a a Marvel movie for everyone. At least for two people. <laughs> At least for two. All right. Yeah. Well, on that note, let's uh let's talk to Phil Flores.
0: So today we're gonna talk to Phil about. Pitching TV about transitioning from directing, basically from being a feature film director into a TV show creator, writer, director. Yeah, what do they
1: call those? It's
2: like a showrunner? Is, is that a, the right?
1: Showrunner, executive producer. Yeah, EP. Yeah. yeah. I think
2: uh, that's kind of how I feel. I feel like. The directors of the indie film world, you know, uh, at least for myself, can now be the showrunners of the television world and our mad, wild dreams. You know, we yeah. want to rule the world and make great television that's introspective and sensitive and tender. And, you know, that, that's what my my goal is. Well, yeah. if, if
1: indie film has morphed into television, then it would make sense that the indie film tour would then become an EP of... A cable show. Totally.
2: I don't know if that actually happens.
1: (laughs) Well, but you're about to prove it for us. But I think we're always like, especially when you
0: decide you want to be a filmmaker, it's because you're chasing kind of creative desire. And nowadays TV is where like some of the best creative work is seen. And so I think it just seems natural that, you know, independent film was one time the place where like the best new artists were were working. And now, you know, it's people like Lena Dunham or... Who else is like a new TV person?
2: Duplass brothers are doing Duplass pretty good. Brothers, yeah, you know they're from that same realm.
1: Yeah, I think there's a, a huge crop of indie filmmakers that then make their living doing TV shows. You know, I think that that's a, a very common um, path. Right. Jordan Vote Roberts, he did like a bunch of. I feel like there's a lot of like comedy indie guys who are like will do like one movie and then also like half of a season of some show. Yeah, yeah. He did a. Um, You're the worst. You're the worst. Oh yeah, yeah. But but like I think there's I especially things. if you look at like
2: right. you know
1: your right, right, right. your network shows where it's just like there's so many fucking episodes. Yeah. That's where you see those kind of indie directors popping up a little bit more.
2: There's a question for you guys. I think um, do you think it's easier to do comedy and transition from the indie world of comedy to television than it is like for drama or horror or that kind of thing?
1: I think there's just more uh, comedy being made at a lower budget, and uh-huh. so it's easier to cut your teeth.
0: Yeah, I think like a few UCB guys that you happen to make a bunch of videos with selling a show to Comedy Central is much more probable than, you know, some dramatic actor from like a horror film selling a show to FX. Right. Like if you look at kind of the big shows, you know, the Breaking Bads and the Walking Deads and the the Sopranos and all those, those are all come from like big, big showrunners. Right. um, Because those are big budget things. We look at Workaholics or... Key and Peel or Broad City or whatever.
1: Or at an, any, basically any comedy <laughs> company right now. There's, yeah. There's roots to.
0: Well, unless it's um, Lauren Michaels or something, you know. But like,
1: even Lauren Michaels has his own internet company. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. It, it seems easier to get into that world because it's less about merit. It's less about like, oh, look at this amazing movie that right. they made. And it's more about like, these funny people love working with this person.
1: Well, and for whatever reason, I think that the. Up and coming and independent communities of, you know, UCB or Funny or Die or College Humor. Though those communities exist, it's in our DNA. We know that comedy videos uh, do well and people share them, right? Whereas like the prestigious theater communities and like like Steppenwolf isn't doing right their own version of Funny or Die, you know. So it's like I don't know where like hungry dramatic directors are cutting their teeth outside of like the New York theater community. That's, yeah. that's the issue to me. You know, it's just like, I would love it if there was a place where we could all go watch like dark, you know, brooding indie dramas online all the time. But right. Are you going to share those on Facebook? Right. Probably Are, are not, there you three know?
2: minute versions, you know, of Othello by Steppenwolf? <laughs> <but> <laughs> exactly. Do people want to really see yeah. that yeah. people watch. I, I think you guys are right. And I think it's, I mean, it's kind of a loaded question. I think that it's a comedy is an escape. So I feel like everybody wants to laugh. They're tired of their, of their fucking boss telling them they got to take right. notes and do this. Like, let's make something fun. Right. And I don't know if that's I. You know, I've only worked on one comedy. I just produced it, but. You guys can probably answer this too. When you're making a comedy. Sorry, I'm interviewing you guys right now. No, but no, no. Just questions. And I love talking we about it. So I love it. Maybe we uh, start a podcast for it. <laughs> see? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, you just talk to each other for like the first five podcasts. Every other podcast we there just talk to <laughs> each <see? laughs> uh, other. But like if you, you know, creating a comedy, is, is is the atmosphere fun? Or, you know, mm-hmm. I, I, it was fun for us when I did it. It was a film called Lurking in Suburbia. And my um, partner, Mitchell Altieri, my film partner, Mitchell Thierry and I made it. And we had... We were laughing the entire time. We were drunk the entire time, but you know the, the budget allowed it. <laughs> they we, did a, a director's commentary. <laughs> uh, right.
0: RIP. That they were, everyone was completely drunk while they recorded it.
2: Because the film's about drinking. You know, films like really, it's about a sure. thirty-year-old guy who doesn't want to grow up. It's his birthday, and he has a giant party with all his idiot friends, and then everyone's drunk. And he just kind of reflects on who he is and why he is this and why does everything have to revolve around this, this lifestyle, film. you know? Uh, it was based on my, uh, my my friend's life, basically. But uh, and we shot and shit in fucking uh, 12, 14 days, around there somewhere. And But I don't think we would have got that film finished unless we were having fun. Uh, and I feel like when you have that camaraderie, no matter what the film is, a drama, a comedy, horror, whatever. But I feel like a comedy kind of lends itself to it more. So my question is like, you know, when you guys do a comedy, do you feel, is the atmosphere more comedic or is it just kind of stale?
0: I think it's all over. I've definitely been on comedies where everyone's laughing and I've been on comedies right. where no one's laughing or yeah. everyone hates each other. And there's it's, almost it's gotta, it's gotta no there's correlation no to the final product, yeah. whether it's good or not. Yeah. Uh, right. Um, That's interesting. I think a lot of it is the, is the writing and the performance good. And the editing, obviously, mm. I think is like super important to get those jokes to land. But yeah, I, I don't know. I do think that there's it depending on what genre you want to direct, there's like different avenues into TV. But I still feel like if like no one we know is gonna direct a sitcom. There's like still these kind of like mm-hmm. clubs that are just really hard to penetrate, I think, from the indie world or like from the YouTube world. That work more like an apprenticeship like you have to start you know shadowing directors or writing on other shows and getting the director role i don't know i still to me it's still like this impossible thing to go from directing indie features and commercials to tv
1: you know i think that there's kind of uh when you say sitcom that's a loaded term right like are we going to go do an episode of Modern Family? Probably not. But maybe an episode of Man Seeking Woman, right? Or You're the Worst, or one of the. I think that there's like right. that realm of like cable indie dramedy that is much more approachable, right? Like the budgets are lower. They're looking for younger talent. And I think that's maybe where having a great indie feature is really where it pays off, you know? Right. That's yeah. my hunch, you know? There are
0: some people like Justin Lin and, um, you know, a couple guys that did really nice indie features that got to direct some, like, you know, he directed a bunch of community, episodes of community and stuff.
1: Well, and all the Fast and the Furious movies, so.
0: (laughs) Yes, that that didn't hurt. But (laughs) he started with Better Luck Tomorrow, right? Like his indie feature about his, like, high school What what film? Better Luck Tomorrow. Oh, right. Was that him? Yeah. Was that his first film? Yeah. That's his first film. I remember that one.
1: Justin Lin's trajectory is just. (laughs) insane insane like it's almost not worth bringing up because it's so insane that but you see
0: it all the time i mean we talk about these guys all josh train colin trevorrow like ryan johnson even like they direct one good movie indie and then they do a massive
2: studio film but that's the formula now i think you know for whatever reasons uh, probably because of social media because we're talking a lot more and we're more visible I think that it's happening a lot quicker because this guy did uh, you know, this film on a Sundance. He must be good. Everyone loved it. Let's hire him for Star Wars, which is a weird jump for me. But I think if you're an executive, it's like you trust the material. He's young enough to steer. He's smart enough to know the material. So I think in the old days, you know, it's like or whatever that was, you know, it, it was a much more – it was more of a, a more of process. An, yeah, yeah, an apprenticeship
1: and there was yeah. a ladder. Yeah, I think yeah. the studio system, I think maybe because they're not making – movies that are anything smaller than star wars right you know it's a lot harder to have a farm league you know there's there's no like middle process where you're doing a 50 million dollar movie it's just like everything has to be a grand slam in order for it to get made or it's an indie right so phil yep you're an accomplished feature film director okay (laughs) how many films do you have uh let's see. B- including producing and, oh, let's and see. directing i think uh nine films producing nine yeah. films but, and movies at south by
0: at sundance right. uh in theaters major distribution yeah major right, right.
2: the but, nine right. but nobody knows who i am <laughs> well, well
1: the butcher brothers is a, is a branded
2: ish you know in the horror know, community you shish. know which is nice and we have a fan base and there are you know people who are nuts who tattoo themselves with characters we've created um
0: Yeah. And by the way, my mom doesn't know who Justin Lin is, who has the highest trajectory of all (laughs) directors. I mean, nobody knows names of directors yeah. my mom barely knows my care. name so. yeah <laughs>
2: and that's why we created the butcher
0: my brothers calling me my brother's name
2: <laughs> that's that's embarrassing yeah if you're, or the dog's name better than the dog i was gonna say <laughs> <laughs> but uh that's why we, we uh created the butcher brothers because of that uh the brand you know so that we could be a household name mm-hmm. on some level and
0: is that something you would recommend like if i um, yeah. directed like a superhero indie film should i call yeah. myself like action Kaplan, fuck yeah that's great something that sounds great i am or, jealous
1: of people with specific
0: names or unique like,
2: like, like mick g right we know who yeah. that is but i have no idea what he does or if he's or a, what the g stands for right, right? Yeah. but it, he did charlie's angels i think
0: he's made a lot of pretty uh, mediocre <laughs> movies he did terminator salvation oh he did yeah he yeah, did he did the, he did oh, the no.
2: big he was like a, no, by
0: the way i'm pitching my director. project to him uh, are you really yeah i mean me like the producer, through the agent, right. is pitching the logline to someone at his production right. company. Like, There's about eight steps between me and McGee, but hopefully he's not listening. <laughs> well, his it, stuff looks amazing. It looks amazing. <laughs> Which yeah, I guess know he, is the he's biggest great. He's, to
1: he's, a, supposed to, he's like Sam bear He's like a monster whatever. What oh, brain. okay. What Was do you, you mean? Like mean? Like or personally, like, like, like mean. Yeah, yeah. Oh. Yeah, oh. just rude and stuff. But also, take all those stories with a grain of salt. Do you...
0: So sorry to change the subject. I was just at this party at a friend of mine's birthday party, uh, party store for more. And like there's like a bunch of a bunch of the DPs were talking about these like very, very abusive directors that they work with and that are very famous. And the DP that I know, too, he the show that he's working on right now, he told me like the first day he would, they were doing like a lighting test. The director came in and just said, like, this all fucking sucks and like left. Right. <laughs> right. Like you have to be such a successful director and so confident in yourself to be able to walk in and do something like that right because those guys end up making like really good products and they're so mean to people how Mm. How? what do you guys think about i mean we talk about this a lot but don't do you ever are you ever on set phil and you're like okay that shot's not what i expected i don't think it's as good as i wanted but we're out of time we need to move on and i could be an asshole but I don't want to be an asshole so let's just move on I don't want to say like this wardrobe just doesn't work and I'm pissed off and this better not happen right. again
1: you're, you're picking your battles
0: yeah I mean you know when Matt and I were working on like one-day shoots or web things or and it's like eh, you know this this thing survives it isn't but when you're like on a bigger project on a you know 15 million dollar feature or on something that's shooting for 30 days you know you gotta fire people you gotta like get yeah, angry yeah. a little or the product suffers right Man, that's a good
2: question. I mean, I've heard so many stories about notorious directors who are assholes supposedly, but, you know, put yourselves in in their position. You've got 150 people on set telling you they need shit every 10 minutes. There's no time to yourself. You've got producers who are watching you every minute who are hired by the studio, you know to make sure they micromanage you, tell you that you shouldn't do that, you should do this, and the entire thing is riding on your career, and you're just trying to get a paycheck to get to the next film that you really care about, right? right? So I think it's important to defend and protect yourself. You know, So I think that, I mean, I think I'm known... And my uh, film partner, because we're the Butcher Brothers, we've directed, you know, So I feel like you guys are pretty nice. We're nice guys. We're known as nice guys, mm-hmm. pretty much. And we like to have fun on set. now
0: you do, guys. You guys usually fire at least one person the first couple days. Ooh, I was about prison to go, on the, about to go rules, that story. Prison rules. That's exactly right? it.
2: Like, so first day, you got to fire somebody. Like, <laughs> you have to. And that way, it scares the shit out of everybody. It's like prison rules. That's exactly. <laughs> but it.
0: the problem is, like, on a lot of projects we're working on when someone's getting paid like 200 bucks a day
1: they want to be fine you know <laughs> yeah or good luck replacing them
2: <laughs> i always think about bringing in a shill just like bring in a you know a couple yeah. of them and just like just scream at them mean take them take them away yeah. like in the middle of shooting stop stop actually shooting stop Cut! Cut! yell at the guy bring him back go into a tent scream at some crazy shit and then he walks out <laughs> crying and then the rest of the crew is like oh my god we got to be careful You know, so that, I mean, that doesn't, but that does kind of happen to a certain extent, you know, because, and that's happened organically with most crews I've worked with, you know, not that we will ever, ever want to fire anybody, but usually there's a couple of people who don't fit the rest of the group. And for our flow, it usually is the opposite of these stern assholes on set. We like to have collaboration. We like people who are open, who ask questions, who participate because that way you get a better project, you know, and, mm-hmm. uh, and usually it's like a vibe, you know, it's like, if it's the one guy, it's like, just asking the wrong questions, or he's not, he's lazy, or he's not doing mm-hmm. it, he's going to say, buddy, you know, it's not working out. I'm like, we're trying, but it's not happening with you today. You
1: know? I, I always all think right. about when I was <laughs> in film school, I would PA all the time, like on student films and stuff, and I would give the director notes. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> I've been both that PA and that director. Yeah, yeah.
2: That's great, though. You did that.
1: Well, the the thing is, is that
2: I was right, but also shut the fuck up. Totally. You know, like, it, it's... Oh, but boy. you did it, so that, I mean, that kind of proves your prowess, you know? I, I disagree. <laughs> I, I thought I was right. It Maybe
0: I was that you're
1: interested in doing that job and Definitely. you're very conscious and thinking about That's it what but, I'm yeah. Saying. yeah. But having had a PA come up and talk to me about you know giving me a note or whatever, because I tried to run a collaborative set, they never have the full scope of what's going on. So, you know, sometimes it's like, yeah, I know it could be better, but like This actor had three more minutes before their agent was going to, like, scream my ear off. Totally, totally. You know, like... The problem
0: is, like, if someone gives you an idea on set... this happened to me? I forget when it was. But, like, some AD was like, oh, it'd be really funny if he did this thing. Right. Right? And they're the first ad, So, they're, like, talking to you the whole time.
1: And And they tend to be... ADs tend to be so funny.
0: And I'm like... (laughs) Yeah, I guess that would be kind of funny. I can say okay let's do another take with that idea and it might work though it doesn't really fit into what i was planning but we can try it because why not Mm -hmm. but we'll run a little late right (laughs) or you can say no we're not going to do that and then you're like an asshole
1: well i think that there's also the nice thing about comedy and i think it probably of course it works for drama and horror as well but there's the question of like does it fit into the game or the theme or the tone Of what you're trying to make like anyone can make a funny joke or scare someone or cry on command but like a director's job is to keep the the seams and the the texture consistent you know so just like one simple gag like that that joke probably was funny to someone right at least to him but does it really live in the world of the thing you're making or not right
0: i'm going totally off topic now but do you guys think <laughs> it's the further. director's responsibility to make the tone work like if you get a note on the tone like this is tonally all over the place I mean from the dailies i no, think i think mostly I think,
1: I think that's mostly their job even actually. if
0: you weren't the writer uh-huh do you feel do you take it personally because mm. i i got a note Yesterday on the phone that was like, yeah, guys, we got to talk about this episode. Like, tonally, it's, editor. it's just not working. Yeah. And I then would I, say... and I also got a note. Actually, my brother, I showed him some clips of something, and he's like, oh, that acting is not very good, huh? And I was mm-hmm. like, well, what, what do you think is not very good about And he's like, well, this moment and this moment. And I was like, okay. He's like, but I think it looks, I mean, the camera work is great. I mean, your job, you did a great job. And I'm like, well, <laughs> I'm the director, so yeah, if the right. acting is bad. The
1: whole thing is my job. It's like, my fault <laughs> i have a twofold answer one yeah it, i definitely would take it personally but two i think oftentimes when people use the word tonally that's sometimes a flag that they don't really know what they're talking about <laughs> do you know what i mean yeah or <laughs> right? it just might mean something's bugging them and they don't know yeah, how to fix yeah, it exactly and that's, that's it most of the time when you're getting a note where they say tonally blah right. blah blah they don't. They don't know how or, to. Or there's what the a serious is.
0: scene, and then there's like a broad joke because right. some PA suggested you do it, and the director felt bad, not taking his note. <laughs> um,
2: oh man, I think first rule is don't listen to PAs. Like PAs are dirt, you know, <laughs> and they should. They know they are. So treat them like dirt, and then give them beer at the end of the day, and they're happy. And that's they. That's what their job is. Well, we can agree mm-hmm. to disagree. On that. <laughs> Uh, uh, no, but I love, no, no, I you're love fucking all, all of our PA. I <laughs> no, mean, no. but <laughs> there's, a, there's a hierarchy. There has to be, right? Yeah, sure. And it's interesting. You know, I've I've talked with people about this before. Is like, as a director, everyone expects you to be something. To They have some version mm-hmm. of what a director is supposed to be. And you know, we all do it. Like, how the costume designer is supposed to be. She's a diva or whatever, you know. All, <laughs> right. Right? There's
1: three guys with beards right now that are all directors. <laughs> yeah. Right. So um, we yeah. happen to be white.
2: Yeah. Oh, no. Awful. And we all live in East L.A. Kind I'm, of. I'm Hispanic, by the way. So right. Flores, come on, right. that doesn't sound very Hispanic. That's just true. That's true. That's my first name, though. Yeah. So I mean, I just I just feel like you know when you get to set, you have to you you are on a ship, mm-hmm. and I did this by watching Friends direct. Honestly, because I, before I wasn't really thinking about it so much, but. You're on a ship and you have to be the captain because there's a lot of people on board and everyone has a job. You know, this guy is filling the cannonballs and this person is doing whatever the fuck, adjusting the sails. I don't know people on ships. <laughs> tacking. You know? and That's and a thing. I don't tacking like is correct. <laughs> yeah, right. There you go. There's the guy that steers. Yeah. But you, everyone has their job and your job is to be the captain. You have to make sure that you get there on time and you have to make sure you don't get bombarded or pirated or any of that stuff. And if you don't show strength, and if you don't show, you know, uh, sometimes a bruteness, mm-hmm. people don't respect it. There'll be a, be a, yeah. mutant, a mutiny, yeah. you know? So you have to do a little bit of that. And it kind of goes back to the asshole question. I think you have to be a little bit of an asshole, even if it's a show, just mm-hmm. to, you know, to give that air out, you know, mm-hmm. the air uh, of yourself, mm-hmm. you know, to right. people. Um, yeah. And do you
0: have to, I don't know, Phil, I feel like you work with like a family in every project. I mean, yeah, I've worked true. on projects where I don't really know everyone that well. And I might have to be like a little mean. And then when I go to lunch, it's like, I'm just like, no one, I don't know who to sit with because I feel like I've kind of been a little mean to everyone. It's
2: suddenly become like a director's like (laughs) a a confessional. Yeah, Yeah, sure. (laughs) have have you
0: had that situation
1: pretend you've got a phone call man
0: (laughs) (laughs) no it's not look i can sit with anyone i don't but it's not like i feel like i'm with my family it is weird
2: man like a film set depending on if it's you know independent or studio too because studios like they don't give a fuck they've been doing it forever but it's like high school you know there's cliques there's departments and there's inside jokes and everyone has their own group they sit with and it's weird. And just because
0: yeah. you're the director doesn't mean you're
1: automatically accepted by everyone.
2: No, not at all. Yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. I, it, it, that was a weird thing for me to adjust to because I think when you're not professional, when you're doing it as a passion project is what I mean. Everyone's a family then, because right. like typically it's they're like probably not friends. getting paid, or they're like right. you're, they're your friends from film school, yeah, or you grew up exactly. together, or whatever it is, and so that's like an incredible, wonderful experience. And then when you start gigging around, and you know those crews tend to stick together a little bit more than the directors do. Right. You know, they're working you know a couple days a week with each other right. and kind of like they're the family and you're the weird
2: new person right yeah you hire a dp
0: they bring their whole crew you hire a production designer they bring their whole crew and they all got their own stuff going on and you're just like hey
2: it is first day of high school so it's yeah. it's, it's really just just do what you do. Be yourself. If you make friends, great. If you don't, you know, get the fuck out of that school.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I've gotten uh, better at being okay with not being best friends with everyone. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you it's know? at some
2: point, it's a
1: job.
0: And that's kind of like a lot of what this podcast is about is like when you take directing from your passion, what you're doing right. for fun or a hobby, to making it's your lifelong. It's what you make a living from. Yeah. Mm. Um, I want to get to the TV stuff, but one final question, kind of on this same topic of like, can you yell at people and who takes responsibility for things? Have you guys seen American Sniper? Yeah, Clint sure. Eastwood film. No, I
1: didn't see it. I did a college humor video about. Oh, it. Oh
0: yes, so it's a it's a great movie, right? There's a scene where Bradley Cooper is at home with his family and he has a baby daughter. Mm. And he's, like, talking to the baby, and the baby won't stop crying. He's, like, putting it in the crib, picking it up. I don't know.
1: You can probably speak yeah. a lot better to the, yeah. about it, this. Literally, like, the sketch recreates that scene. But the baby is very, very fake. And, like, ob- but, but ob- obvious But
0: in the real movie, the baby is obviously fake.
1: Obviously It's like fake. a doll. Oh. So, so the sketch we're doing is about how fake this baby looks. Ooh. So every single time you cut back to the Bradley Cooper character that we've recreated, like, as meticulously as possible like the the, uh, the walls room. match the room matches everyone's playing at deadpan Great. straight as possible at first it's but a it's big like, baby and then it becomes like a baby with a string attached to its arm and then it's a green screen baby and then it's a bag of flour and then it's a football <laughs> that's funny like a
0: puppet right like a yeah. dragon <laughs> yeah yeah Yeah, so when you watch the movie, it's beyond fake like no one can watch that movie and not be like, whoa That's a fake baby
1: even worse. They add like weird CG like fingers moving and blinking that makes it look even weirder Yeah Well, so
0: my question to you guys is and even though you haven't seen it is that Clint Eastwood's fault
1: So so a little bit of backstory because I know this this scene so well what happened was They had two babies one got sick you know it's a newborn so it's a, like they get sick their backup didn't show up so right. you know bradley cooper's there sienna miller's there they're ready to shoot you're clint eastwood you've been doing this your whole fucking life so he's like uh give me i'll pay the baby, baby. Give me, yeah exactly <laughs> uh, write the music already so yeah so like he just threw a fake baby in their hands and they just go for it because he could have come in and yelled at people to get us a baby 20 minutes <laughs> yeah i mean right? he's, he's famous yeah. for like having a golf game to get right. to you know he's woody allen status where like hmm. they don't shoot 12 hour days they right. shoot eight hour days right. I, I guess what yeah, i was gonna
0: right. say is like even if it's not your fault as a director if it's the wardrobe department or the makeup department or the production design department or the dp at the end of the day you're gonna get the blame for it and that's why you have to be an asshole
1: yeah i mean th- this the sketch we were making fun of clint eastwood inadvertently Right, like that's right. who the joke is on. Right, yeah.
0: even though it's not his fault the babies didn't show up, Yeah. It's that a baby got sick.
2: No, it is. It has to be because all the pressure's on you, and that's what I think most people don't understand, or they don't care, mm-hmm. or they're jealous of. Yeah, I mean, because everyone wants to be a fucking director. Right. Like, now that we're directors, we don't want to be directors anymore. Even though we <laughs> do, we really don't. I like. I like. I love directing. I love creating a vision. But this will be a nice segue into the TV thing. But it is. You know. It's a chore and it's babysitting, you know, mm-hmm. and it's, it's a lot of that. And I don't feel television will be any different. And I think it's going to be like that when you're with a group of people. But I feel like, you know, when you have a space to work with a, a show that's 12 episodes a season, you, you can create something that's elongated and that breathes, you know, mm-hmm. a little bit more. And that your relationships are more organic. They're not so quick. They're not so demanding. They're not so, you know, high school setting. Mm-hmm. So right. you get to make a 12 hour feature. Exactly. You know, for five seasons. Yeah.
0: So, okay. So let's say for our listeners out there that are kind of newer, let's say you directed a indie film or a bunch of cool YouTube sketches or a pilot. What, what do you do to go start
2: pitching TV shows? what's the process here's here's my uh, it's actually directed towards you in a little bit because you i mean we all start off with shorts i think because we have smaller ideas not that they're small and i'm not trying to um you know truncate it all but it's we or think f- smaller budgets maybe even <laughs> that's part of it too but we do vine we have vine ideas you know that are six seconds or ten seconds long whatever it is uh and you know it's quick it's it's funny it's interesting and then you like, learn that, and then you want to graduate to your short film, and then you make your short film, and then you learn that, and you want to create a feature for the first time. And it's like, wow, shit, you know, you, and you mm-hmm. kind of fuck it up unless you're lucky, and you learn that. And so yeah, I guess it's like, you know, for the people who want to cross over, you have to continue practicing, 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 creating sketches, creating sketches, creating sketches, and then, you know, just go for it. Uh, and, you know, I don't know if there's a shortcut. I mean, I think it's a very long road. I don't think you can just jump into TV if you're doing a YouTube video. I think you have to like understand narrative very well to do TV. You know, and I might be wrong because I'm like, no, I think grounded, I'm so and I'm, I'm like a purist. Like I, I want to make the most intensive, incredible television shows that were ever made. Yeah, I you think know? everyone does. I don't know though. I don't goal. know. No, they don't. Some people want to make stuff that's like disposable. Mm-hmm. It's, a, it's a paycheck and it's fun you know and that's okay that's fine actually that's great you know we, reality tv is that and you know, that's not narrative it is to a certain extent there are writers yeah. on it and know? the people in
0: reality
1: are passionate about their work yeah just as much as we are yeah yeah it's just as hard too. you know it takes just as totally. much out of you totally so, so it's the, the i'm the like scared
0: challenge. so scared of reality to me that's the medium for people that don't care about being in control you know it's like go go with the camera try to get interesting people put them in crazy situations and see what happens and i'm like that's my biggest fear is to see what happens like i want to know what's going (laughs) to happen because i want to know where to put the camera (laughs) um i guess it it depends on style yeah you know
2: yeah so i mean i guess that's i mean it depends like you know how do you get into television i think well yeah let's say
0: let's say michael let's say julia sorry is listening to this show and she had a short that premiered at the AFI film festival and she's written a feature script and she has an idea for a TV show.
2: Like what's her next move? Well, you know, I, I had an agent before I got into television or getting into television. So I don't really know. I think if she has a short, I think anyone can actually pitch TV, which is great. Cause I know, I know stories from different people who are friends or not friends, but this is, I have this crazy idea. And then they get brought into a, you know, cause they know somebody who knows somebody they get into a room, you know, in front of a couple VPs and they pitch it and it gets sold. You know, and they bring them on as a writer to another show they're working on and they get milled as a writer to actually create their own show eventually.
1: Right. Yeah, I was going to say, I think that there is a little bit of a, still of a, of a hierarchy with television in terms of, and directing kind of throws this off or, or tours throw this off, but like starting as a baby writer and working your way up, right? right? Like that's at least in comedy or, or maybe just 20 years ago, how it used to work. And now I think that it's interesting that, independent filmmakers get to kind of hop in and sort of hopscotch over some of those traditional levels. So, so Phil, tell us a little bit about specifically where you are, what you're do, like literally what you're doing right now in terms of uh, pitching and meeting people and, and how that whole process works.
2: Yeah. I mean, I'm just um, developing really right now, which is, uh, it's long, you know, it's like working on a feature for a year, mm-hmm. I feel. And, and I'm, I know my, the way I do it might be a lot different than most people do it. Uh, but I think it takes a good six months to a year to kind of get a show banged out. Mm-hmm.
0: So when you you come up with uh, like a world and some characters and, and a sample episode, or how
2: do you do <laughs> right, it? Right, right. And, you know, the so the easy answer is we all watch TV. You know, everyone is interested in it. So And you think you have a great idea. So, okay, you do. Make that idea happen. Create a world. Create a premise. Create something that will every every week that will continue to draw you in create a soap opera out of it you know create a uh, create an atmosphere you know it's 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 all these things revolving all the time and i think like we all i I, you know that's how i feel but i feel like we all we all we all can critique we can all watch but we all cannot create right Mm -hmm. and that's the how do you cross over and i just feel like you you may or may not get lucky on that Mm -hmm. you know as a whatever director or you know creator I don't know you know am I good at this who knows you know we'll we'll find out you know I'm going to keep pushing until I learn more, more and more but I think there's I do think there's a formula to it mm-hmm. you know I feel like what I'm doing right now is I'm developing a show that's about UFOs and it's not the X-files it's um like a one hour drama about UFOs it's one hour drama about UFOs and it's it's about it's a true story, and it's something I came up with and thought about and brainstormed for about six months, you know, um, with uh, some collaborators who are great writers and great concept people, and we started to shape it up, you know. And this is like a, a feature or probably a short the same way, you know. It, you start to see a shape to it, mm-hmm. but then so once you start having an idea of what you're creating, you. Look at the shape and you say, well, "What? It, what is this? Is it working? Is it? What is it about, really? We know it's about UFOs, but what's the show really about? Is it about right, Like The
0: Americans is about a marriage. It's not really about.
2: Mm-hmm. It's about both. Loyalty to your spouse or loyalty to your country. That's right. the hook. That's why we love that fucking series, right?
0: I think kind of what, what would be really interesting is like, you know, you see the evolution of a pitch. You know, I'm doing the same thing. We talk about this pitching a show and from pitch one I, to pitch 10, it's just it's morphed so much because you start seeing what's working and what's not working Mm -hmm. right are are there any like kind of formulaic things that you've seen i I think the first time i told you about my show you were like you know it's interesting but it's like a little complicated and you got to really focus what it's about you know right right um and what are some other things that you've seen in the room you know work work better than others does that
1: and even what like even the fundamentals of like what are you bringing in what like how long does it last i think our our listeners Yeah.
2: Starting from the beginning. (laughs) So, okay. um, Wear a funny outfit. You know, that's how you start, start, start with that. So
1: do you go bow tie or do you, do you go short fat tie? That's right. Both.
2: Both. Short fat bow tie. How
0: many people go in? It's just you and one other person. So, uh,
2: two traditionally, you know, that's what I've been told um, because after that, it's hard to focus for, you know, not that they're dummies, you know, it's just like, it's just, you don't need to do it, you know? So you create, have an idea, you create a, world and then you create a pitch and you like Orin said you are working on this pitch over and over again you're like who the fuck knows how to create a pitch i don't but you start looking at examples well, does your
0: agent help you at all or anything or do they just listen and give you some they feedback?
2: They, they, uh, they do both you know uh, i didn't ask for direct help right away i kind of wanted to create something and then pitch them but then once i pitched them they said this is great this isn't great you know take mm-hmm. that away cut it down by half add this take this away and then come back again and you know when you're ready went back again like better but do this this and that. So it's like, you know, it's consistently sketching, sketching, sketching and then you're pitching, you know. So once you got once they're like, "We like the pitch, we're going to go start selling it." So they go call they call up their, you know, people on the roller decks and they have relationships with people around town who they've been developing for the past 10 or 15 years and, you know, and they call up a fax or they call up this producer, you know, or whatever. And so you're going into I mean, we probably did about thirty pitches uh, the first round. And are you pitching networks or production companies? Uh, both, both. Okay. You know, I'm uh, in uh, studios. You know, it's like and there's a strategy behind all of it too. Like, should you just uh, pitch producers first? Mm-hmm. Should you pitch uh, production companies? You know, uh, should you pitch studios? Because. It depends on what you're selling, and in, in order to figure out what the right route to go. And I don't know enough about this. This is why you have your, you know, your reps kind of detailing it because they know the relationship that they have with other studios and who they can sell to and what their um, buyers, you know, scenario is. And it's, it's. I'm not the person to talk about this. I'm strictly on the. Creative. Some,
0: sometimes don't you feel like yeah. your reps? I mean, I feel this with my people are like very conservative. Like I'm like, I want to let's go pitch to Warner Brothers. Horizon, and they're like, well. I don't think we should go in there without a big producer. I'm like, well, let's go pitch to a big producer. I'm like, well, they've never heard of you. So let's just send them a script for, it. you know, it's like, and I'm like, I, I'm so aggressive all the time. I'm like, let's just go into the biggest person and just really be super passionate about our idea.
1: My favorite is when you're like, well, I met this big producer and I pitched him and he wants to do it. And they're like, whoa, 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 what are you doing? Yeah. That's it's like, I feel
0: favorite. like the reps are always slowing yeah. you down and trying to make sure you're
1: set up perfectly before you go into the wrong place and and to be fair i think that that like anyone is is sort of everything is so unclear and so unknown and most people haven't done it a ton of times and if they have done it you can't repeat it right right? Right. uh so so there's that mentality of like don't get out of control don't go crazy because you know we need to think about this for a second you know yeah and so everything happens in slow motion and then the time has passed right
2: yeah, it's it's a it's a uh, it's a weird science, you know. And I think you kind have you have to trust them because I think they have enough experience that they know what they're talking about. Usually, I feel like your reps are, you know, handling you with kid gloves. Mm-hmm. My reps are pretty cool because we get loaded together and you know I've known them for a long time, so they're friends. But they still are like sweet when they don't need to be. You know, I know when they're being sweet and, you know, uh, but I think for the most part, they're just trying to save f- face for you, probably on some level. You know, not that you couldn't meet that producer and pitch him. He would be like, I want to buy that. Why, why didn't, you know, your rep tell me that? So it's such it's, it's a weird, you know, who knows? I think the answer is anyone can sell TV at any time to anybody. Mm-hmm. It, it has to be the right idea in the right space at the right time. And if you can get it into a room, that's all you need. You know, that's how I feel. It's really fucking selling vacuums. You, you got to <laughs> knock on doors. You got to knock on a hundred doors in order to get one sale. That's the reality of it. Unless you have Steven Spielberg mm-hmm. as a producer on your show, you know, uh, backing it. And that's, that's that's how it really works. And like for me, I'm coming from the indie feature side. Our first tier was to try to sell this idea, which people loved. You know, my my, my uh, agent pitched it around and got a lot of bites on it. And we got a lot of people interested in it. Well, i feel like we didn't sell it the first round because of it wasn't a big enough producer attached because the, the reality is these production companies and producers and you know the studios they've got a lot of stuff they got a, they have a budget they have to you know and they have a like a, they have like a, a, a line uh, you know that they have to meet every quarter yeah, right. you know so if we don't have Spiel, steven spielberg connected on with this one show I mean, we're not going to make that line so Even if your show is brilliant, they may be like, "Ah, we just, I'm sorry, we just can't do it." You know? Yeah.
0: Something I hear. Sorry, sorry to cut you off, Matt. But something I hear a lot about pitching TV is that people aren't necessarily buying the idea as much as they are buying the person or the team
1: that's pitching it. Do you find that to be true? Yeah, I mean, like, so back in my Comedy Central days, I used to tell people, "We hear great ideas every day." Right. So so right. that that's the bare minimum. And, and that is a great idea. Yeah, and that's that's a hard thing for people to hear. Uh, but I would always use Workaholics as the example, right? Like that's a great idea with a team that obviously could execute it perfectly. Right. Right. So that that's the secret sauce for them, right? And so like most Comedy Central shows are uh, great teams with so-so ideas. If you look at & peel, Amy Schumer and Broad City, Those are all low concept ideas, like two sketch shows from great, great teams Mm -hmm. and like one situation comedy about two girls living in New York. How many fucking times have we seen that show? And it's the freshest, best reviewed show on the air, Mm -hmm. right?
0: But yeah, so I think it's not even the idea.
2: It's the team, right? Right. I feel like like timing is kind of everything. I think, you know, uh, I feel like they sold that show because it was relevant you know so what i've been told by you know the people who have sold shows and you know who have stuff on the air is you need to attach someone that means something right sure and that's i think that's that's okay so i feel like what you really need to do is go after those guys go go to those spaces go pitch them some hellfire you know through their vps get them excited you know, do your best and then get back in there with the room with those guys so they get attached to it. And if you think of those guys attached, they may not sell it. You know, they may right. sell it, but it might never see the light today day either. You know? So, yeah. is
0: that what you're working on now? Is attaching, by those guys, you mean a producer? Yeah. So, a producer, yeah, basically,
2: or any giant talent.
1: Would you even like attach a star at this point or no?
2: He could. I mean, I don't know. Enough they of, would be a producer, probably. They right? would be a producer on it if it was like their vehicle. Mm-hmm. It would make total sense. And a lot of those guys have production companies behind them, so it's okay.
0: And just to get into the nitty gritty real quick, it's like a fifteen-minute spoken
2: pitch. Yeah, that's what we're doing. I, you know, I think people do seven-minute pitches. I think people do thirty-minute pitches. You know, I think if you get people involved and interested, then it's okay. You know, you're telling a story. So mm-hmm. if you're telling the greatest story ever told, then they're going to keep listening. You know, and, and you
0: walk in, you kind of pitch a hook, which is either like a personal story or something that is relevant to the world right now. And then you kind of build out a show about that and then talk about the characters and the episodes and the seasons.
2: That's the formula. I mean, if you're trying to uh, say that, say the formula. But don't, yeah. don't give it away. Oh, well, that's <laughs> what this podcast is about. <laughs> no, it's a secret, guys. Come on. Uh, no,
0: uh, yeah. And, and you come off as... Very excited and having the answer to every question. Here's right?
2: here's the deal, like you know, I don't know, I do not know. I feel like if you're selling yourself and you're a jackass, like not that you're a jackass, but they see that every five minutes. Yeah, I don't know. Just and I'm sure those pitches get sold. I think it's just the pitch. I think and it's it's the people too. I've heard consistently, it's like you're gonna be working with these people for two years. You know, mm. uh, do you like them? You gotta yeah. you gotta be. You know, Are if, they a
1: maniac? Yeah. Can,
2: not like can you connect with them? So. But I feel like if you're fake, which I'm sure happens plenty of times, you probably you might get sold, but will you enjoy the process? You know, I mean, does it doesn't matter. You got your show sold. I don't know. You know, I mean, so my, my process is, you know, um, so, you know, you, you go into the room and you've got people sitting down. They offer you water and they have a giant table, you know, and it looks like you're on a film set. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a young guy and there's like a, you know, older woman prote- or flip that, you know, right. yeah. it's, it's kind of older yeah.
0: person is like the intern right it's like you they're always like the roles
1: are reversed
2: from what you expect no, no,
1: the intern is the this the person in like a button down with their shirt tucked in they're like they're the, the most formally dressed person in the room totally they look okay. like they
2: just came out of like you know like military school yeah. or something <laughs> yeah uh and you you sit down and everyone's cool you know you you realize it's, it's not there's no division it's just people trying to buy and sell stuff and you're just right you know, and they
0: want it to be awesome they want to be entertained they, they want you to come in yeah. yeah they want to find a show they can buy
2: yeah, and they want to find. I mean, really, we're just talking about t- telling a great story. I'd and say. do you
0: come in and do you say? Do they know like, oh, Phil had a movie at Sundance. He's part of the Butcher Brothers. He's this and that. And that.
2: Yeah, I think that's a sell up front. But when I ask them like, do you know what the story's about, or do you kind of know who I am? They're like, um, kind of. But tell us like, so yeah, here's they,
1: they looked at their phone as they were walking to this meeting.
2: And that's the truth because they've got so many things going on, and they're worrying about their careers, and they've got three shows that they're you know spinning spinning plates on. So. They kind of know, but they're like, they know they should be at the meeting because it might be the next great show. That's all that really matters. So you're just on a blind date and everyone's cool because you're, they're you're, they're your age and you're just trying to connect with them and like have fun. Have fun. Go in the room. Enjoy yourself. Even if they're total weirdos. Like I've been in meetings where I'm this awesome meeting with uh, my film partner, uh, Mitch. Walked in the room and these four guys uh came into the room kind of like, you know, single file. They kind of all look each like each other, but they're all different ethnicities. And one guy's like a nutty professor, one guy's like the Indian nutty professor, one guy's <laughs> the black nutty professor. So it's you know, and then but they don't say anything and they just look at you in their cardigan sweaters, like their weezer, you know, like uh on Ambient. And we're like, hey, how's it going? Nothing. Nothing, you know, like uh you we're just here to pitch a film, and one guy kind of nods. And they kind of look at each other, like kind of like the cone heads, and you know, <laughs> kind of bend towards each other. Uh, you know, and we pitched, and it was really awkward to pitch. And we had slideshows and it was a whole thing. And and you know, when you're pitching, you're kind of self-aware as well as trying to not be self-aware, which is the biggest mind fucking in you know, universe, and it just takes practice to not be in that space. But, you know, I was very self-aware. And I thought it was flopping the entire time and we do this 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 meeting, and you know, and then the guy stops, and he's like, "Wait, wait a second. What kind of phone? What kind of phone do you have? You know? <laughs> what kind of phone do you have?" I'm like, w- "What? Fuck that guy, man!" <laughs> yeah, I'm like, "The pointer I'm using, you know, like, uh, but you know." <laughs> But we ended up, you know, so we ended up doing the pitches and the, the guy's like, you know, great pitch. And I was like, yeah, 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 really great pitch. yeah, That's, that's wonderful. That's really, uh, it's interesting what you're talking about. You know, it, it, it ended up being a good pitch for them, I suppose. But, you know, it was just, like some rooms you go into and then some, the, the, the point is like, you go into a room and it was just blank faces that didn't give us anything. It was like, yeah. It's like fucking a starfish, you know, like they're <laughs> jellyfish. There's nothing there, you know, uh, and so those are some of the rooms. Sometimes, For the most part, I feel like television is probably a little bit warmer mm-hmm. than um, features are. Features bring a certain kind of mindset in, and when television brings a different kind of mindset, who are people who want to be more of a organized camp, I guess. Um, but anyway, uh, so you know, when you go into these meetings, you have the people at the table, and then you're just. Shoot the shit like we're doing right now. You're like, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I don't know you, Matt, but, you know, like we connect. We're both doing stuff. And, mm-hmm. you know, like we there's some kind of like history. We can, we, we both love TV. We right? both love television. Yeah. We mm-hmm. both watch television. So you just get into it. And then you've practiced this thing. You've probably said it out loud at least 40 times, you know, if not 100 times. And so it's it's on it's on auto. Do you try to put jokes
0: in or do you try to play feel the room at all? Or are you just kind of going off your script for your pitch?
2: uh you just depends on the room it depends on the room i think you know you, f- you feel when people are uh rushed or you feel when people they're relaxed or if it's a uh, people want to talk or they don't want to talk and so you kind of play the room a little bit and you get the energy in the first minute you get it you know it's like yeah. if you can read people
1: yeah the, i think there's the sense of like the script is there if you need to fall back on it yeah and if something redirects it in some way whether it, the room needs a joke or people are responding to something or there's a question or whatever, all of those things you kind of have to like handle on the fly. But yeah. then you have that script to fall back on, you know, just to kind of reset things.
2: It's exactly it. You know, it's like doing a uh, improv feature to a certain extent. You've created the structure, mm-hmm. but you know that it's not going to hold in, you know, on the day. So you're just going to kind of go, you're going to go in there with the structure, but then it's going to change. Right. But-
0: they might ask you a question right in the middle of your pitch yeah. that will send you totally right. off. Yeah, and there's there's or two a suggestion, right? Or, oh, but what about this? <laughs> <laughs> totally. <laughs> I mean, like, I love that. And then you just keep going. But that's good. It's good.
2: It. It's good when people ask questions cuz it, it means they're engaged. So, yeah. if there are no questions then you're it doesn't mean you're having a, a bad pitch. It just means like it's might not be the time oh. or it's like it's in, you know, 20 minutes before lunch, you know, mm-hmm. uh, or they just they heard it before. You right, know, they've sure. heard some version of it or they've got it already. You know, like we pitched some great spots that, you know, uh, love the material, but like it's too similar to what, what they have. And I don't know if it's cop out or not, but, you know, like you can tell when people are interested. And, I, you know, we've come close with this pitch a couple times, uh, kind of times going through, you know, the, the hurdles. And for some reason didn't connect the right way. So, yeah, you do your pitch and you can in- include visuals if you want. Uh, some people don't you know some people bring in you know props some people like dress up in costumes and and, and do you bring in visuals do you yeah 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 i like visuals you know uh director but like it just helps because i feel like it needs, and, and yeah. like is it on your laptop or do you print things out or? right so you, i put it on my laptop and i do like a um How do I do it on? i probably use iPhoto or something. And it's just a slideshow. You're just kind of clicking through. Yeah, it's a slideshow. And sometimes I've used different mediums sometimes, but uh, it's a slideshow. And you just kind of have a remote. I just click, and everyone has usually a giant screen. If not, you just use your laptop. It's fine. Then, you know, you know when to hit the spots. And Mm -hmm. here's the biggest thing because we all live in our own creative spaces. We think that the worlds that are in our heads, people will understand immediately. George Lucas, I'm going to make Star Wars. Everyone's going to love Star Wars. No, all the banks don't love Star Wars, you know? You know, like, these people don't love Star Wars. And so I, I'm, I'm going to figure out a way to make this film. Like people did love Star Wars, but it took all that time to get there. So I think the same thing, it's like, there's this world in my head, but in, unless you're really, like, you think that the, the people across the table will get it, you, you should really be very straightforward, like what you're trying to sell and some very key images that go along with that so that they can get it. You know, I always feel like you're talking to a fifth grader. Mm-hmm. You have to feel that way because... If people are pitching me all day, you know, and they're pitching me things that, and if I'm not a a creative and, you know, I want to be able to understand some of what they're trying to get across, you know, I think
1: there's also a question of what you want to emphasize, you know, in the world of comedy and it's, you know, it's typically more performer driven. um, Sometimes the visual aid will get in the way. But if if it's something where, you know, it's more dramatic or the the tone world is building. more important or world building. Yeah, I think there's it's there's that question of like, what's exactly right for your show? You know?
0: Yeah, I don't know. I have saw your early pitch. You saw yeah, my right, early pitch. Right, right. We both had visuals. And I think I love visuals. I think that's kind of what I think helps me sell me on things. Totally. But the people, my reps are like, no, we don't want you to use any visuals. Just come in. Or like it's just too much like technical issues and things like that and we just don't know how you're going to present things just come in and just be able to pitch it without any visuals so that's how we've been doing it the last couple of times and it i don't know i feel i really agree with you which is like i'm pitching this whole world and i have i feel like even if i could only show 10 images it would communicate so
1: much yeah i, I to me i feel like the leave behind is the move there where you can be like, hey. If you were ever unclear like what I was thinking tonally, here's a little packet. You don't give it to them up top because yeah, then they'll you just know, be buried in it. But the you top.
0: want them to be tonally on board with you as you're feeding them information about mm-hmm. the world and the show. And like, I mean, we have this thing where we just have like five characters. And, um, you know, when we're using their names, we want you to know which one we're talking about. If there's just like a visual of what they look like, even if we only show it to you once, yeah. then it already helps you a little bit you know, follow what we're saying a little more. Right? Absolutely,
2: yeah. man. It's like watching and sitting down in a theater and watching a film, which is sound. Yeah. You know, I, I feel like, I mean, cause you're still telling a story, you know? Yeah. You don't want
0: the yeah. visuals yeah. to get in the way. And if, with comedy, not. you yeah, can't. Yeah. yeah. If I'm pitching yeah. a show with Moshe Kasher and a star, I'd rather yeah. show like a few jokes of his, you know, well, Moshe is just
1: going to be in the room. Right? Like, that's the trick there. Well, oh.
0: if I have them. If, <laughs> yeah. if I say I think I have them, yes. <laughs> well,
1: so I, I guess maybe your maybe reps are coming from a place where, having been on the other side a couple times, I've seen great presentations where there's a sizzle or, right. you know, visual aids or something, and I've seen it crash and burn, you guys. Yeah. It's been, like, a rough situation. Something about, you know... <laughs> Bill, you were saying how everyone's got some sort of giant screen in every conference room, right? Uh, but they never work, right? but they never work. I the, always and call ahead
2: and, and make sure they work. I I,
1: I I once a week there's some poor like AV tech in there, like trying to like duct tape a converter into a thing and blah blah blah. Totally. And then he has to call like Turkey because the tech support is there, and then it's like the meeting starts 20 minutes late. It happens. Once a day in that biweekly, that happens every meeting. Guarantee. By the way, <laughs> yeah. it does. But yeah. it, and and no one yeah. uh, no one holds it against you. But also, that's the clock is still ticking. You know what I mean.
2: Yeah, you know, it's just how you work the room, what kind of personality you yeah, are. Totally. Like, if, if you make it part of the bit, then it's fun. You know, like, yeah. you gotta be a salesman. You gotta be an actor a little bit, and you gotta, right. you know, like, that's what directors are kind of that, because you're sure. always selling something that you want sure. people to, Not you don't you don't give a fuck about the sale. You Of course, you want the money, but you just want to create this vision that people understand. Yeah. But you have to learn to be a, a shuckster, right? Yeah. So, which means you're a film plan man. You're selling yeah. something, <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> it, you have to be. So, you know, you work with it. When the technician shows up, and, like, you're like, Brock, yeah, I could have done that, you know, you just kind of you sure, start having sure. fun and then you're like, so what's, you know, you just start playing with it. And that, that happened probably 50% of the time. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So you're right. But I called ahead, made triple checked it and then they never figured out cause they don't give a fuck. Yeah. And then or you, yeah.
1: even worse, they do give a fuck right. and it's still just a stupid situation.
2: But I always figured out how to make it work every time, you know, or it would be 10 times better than I would.
0: Well, I would just start sweating. I mean, that's what happens every time. I actually, when I wanted to, when we pitched our agent for the first time, I was like, (laughs) we got a visual presentation. Do you have a TV? They're like, yeah, we have one. We don't know what the connections are. Went there. I had like 10 different cables. None of them worked with my laptop and their HDMI. And I forgot one piece, which of course I found like in my backpack later. Right.
2: I started. I started bringing, by the way, all those pieces, those adapters, to the, adapters till, till yeah, the yeah. meetings. Yeah,
0: yeah. And then it was like <laughs> we ended up pitching it without the visuals, and I was not ready to pitch it without yeah. the visuals, and it, the pitch was not very good.
2: It's hard Your because pitch, I was yeah.
0: relying on the visuals to orient me as to where we were in the pitch. Right. You know, to me they were like right. these milestones right. and goalposts. Yeah, sure, sure. Yeah. And once I lost those, yeah. I was like. <sighs> have to talk for 20 minutes. <laughs>
2: it's <laughs> stressful. But that's what they used to do probably, you know, seven years ago, yeah. right? You're just talking. You know. yeah, yeah, or
1: they have, like, kind of big cardboard, you know, I, I, on easels. I I've gone back and forth. I started just talking, and then I started using visual aids. And then now I just talk. Yeah. Yeah, and I like it better. But again, none of my stuff is, it's all character-based, so it's not really dependent on tone yeah. the same right. way you it's know so i can just, just say it's pitching. like oh it's like golden girls and right. then, then people get it you know what i mean and that's the visual
2: you yeah. just create you plant that in their head right? Right. And i think right. you know it just depends on the show you're pitching and the kind of person you are like you know i'm extremely visual so i want to be able to Create something, but if I didn't need to, I wouldn't do it. But the show I was—I've been pitching it needs to be visual because it's period, it's UFOs, and it needs to be like you need to have set the tone right away, or else people get lost. And like, how's it supposed to feel? In it? And there's no really nothing like it, so I needed to really be direct about it.
1: You know, a thing that I think I have seen that works super well that I think maybe plays to your skills is uh, like a tone reel or something, like a little sizzle. Totally, that that people get behind, they get it immediately. Yeah. Right, um, I see directors
0: pitching themselves to direct yeah. movies like that all the time, yeah. and it totally works. Yeah.
2: And I've heard that's been happening more too. Via uh, my agent, he you know he says you know well, you don't have to do it, but if you want to even shoot something, yeah. you know you could shoot something and create a little bit of a piece. And I get it, the, you know it's
0: yeah. It's the problem more. with that is it's never going to be when you're pitching a big budget one hour UFO right. drama. Right. It's what you shoot will never be as good as what you're trying to pitch, right?
2: Yeah, I think better <laughs> <laughs> yeah
0: um, but yeah if it's if it's star driven if it's character driven if it's like mm-hmm. performance driven
2: yeah just show them the greatest reel ever you know and then like I'm selling you that yeah right yeah yeah. yeah. plus UFOs buy it <laughs> I feel like you know there's so many different I think there's, there's the two tiers so there's like the, you know there's the producers who can help you get the sale mm-hmm. and then there's just the timing and your actual product and i don't think it has to do with anything besides luck Mm -hmm. i think you just got to go down knock down enough doors and be charismatic and really believe in your project you know really why do you want to do this and get out there that's that's how what i see work you know and then there's people who just do it for a living too you know Mm -hmm. like they're just mining material they kind of care about and they sell shows they kind of care about and most of them don't see the light of day
0: Mm -hmm. well so just to kind of finish the talk on tv just like one last thing i've always had this theory that there's these like different mediums in filmmaking and each medium kind of values a different type of person in the hierarchy. So with documentaries, I feel like a lot of times the editors are really making the documentary work. You know, with uh, digital series, web shows and things like that, it's like the performers, like you don't know any famous, you know, web directors. Traditionally, I've always thought that like with features, that's where the director really shines. You know, Steven Spielberg, Martin Scorsese, David Fincher, all the famous directors we know From features, and like how many famous TV directors can you name that you know we haven't personally been following the careers of? Mm. I've always thought TV is the medium of the writer, they fire and hire the directors, right? Um, and they run the shows. And so, do you guys think, obviously, because we're in this like heyday of TV, us as directors, I mean, Matt and I direct a lot more than we write. Um, do you guys still feel like is that changing? That paradigm changing? Are directors getting more important in TV, or are, are we just uh, valuing no, I, the I writing think, more? I
1: think writers are directing more, right? Like you, you talk about like Lena Dunham; she always does the first and finale of every season of Girls, right?
2: She's and, she's the ideal model,
1: yeah. But I, I and I think that a lot of EPs will do
2: a, a little bit of directing, right? right. Yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, it's it's yeah, it's this writers creators game. It's the. I, And depending, you know, some creators don't want to write or direct or they can't, you know, they're just great at creating, you know, Uh, there's that space. But I think from... You don't
0: think you have to be a writer. You have to bring to the team, like when you're pitching, you got to bring a writing element to it. It's much more more important than a directing element. Yeah. Yeah. I think
1: absolutely. I think that most of the job is writing. I would say 90% of it, right? Yeah. It has to be. Or like team management. Yeah. uh, uh, Yeah.
2: I don't know. I, mean, I think I think you need to understand story, but I would imagine so. Uh, my producing partner, who I've been pitching with, is not a writer, and he's great at story. Mm-hmm. He understands story. He understands how it works, but he doesn't write because he doesn't. He's just not his forte. You know, he's not good at that. So. I don't know. I mean, there might be some things in between that. I mean, who knows? Who knows? I think that we maybe now we're in a different space where there's going to be some different um, archetypes that kind of come out. Mm -hmm. You know, I think the generation, uh, the generational scenarios changed because TV is changing, and there's a new face for how this works. Mm -hmm. So I think the independent model of the indie filmmaker, you know, is now becoming potentially the indie showrunner like we talked about and that comes with like knowing how to produce knowing how to write knowing how to do production design knowing how to do sound knowing how to get a budget you know and, and but most of all knowing how to tell a story so that you know i would i would love if that's where television could go because i see spaces that where that's happening and i think those are the best shows out there
0: yeah and we see stuff like high maintenance and things in broad city and workaholics not and where i mean a lot from comedy but where independent showrunners are selling their shows to networks.
2: Yeah, and I guess, in, it, I, and I think, you know, we've all seen different kind of, kinds of characters too. There's, But I think if we, you are part of that scene, if you're that independent, like tried and true filmmaker who is passionate, then you're selling that kind of material mm-hmm. that you care about, that your friends are involved with, and you're sweating, and it's all it's blood, sweat, and t- tears. Yeah. Right, or there's like
0: the Dick Wolfs that, you know, have Chicago Med and Chicago Fire and Chicago PD and Law and Order, and they've figured out how to tell stories people care about.
2: Yeah. And I think they've also understood the formula that works for them. And I don't know if they're connected to material. And I would hope he is, but maybe it's just become like a paycheck. I don't know. I think it's a kind of a character, you know, that's what it comes down to. I'm sure he loves what he does, mm-hmm. obviously, or else you don't do it. But like, I think it just depends on what you're made of. What is your material? Like, he's probably like a guy that likes that kind of stuff. He loves it. He eats it up because he's put, spitting it out. I'm not that guy, you know? I mean, I think there's, what's great about television, there's a space for everyone now, you know? So it's kind of cool. There's so much happening. It's crazy.
0: Cool. Well, I hope, you know, a lot of people think it's a bubble. (laughs) that's going to burst.
1: I I, hope it doesn't. I think it's maybe a bubble. You think so? Yeah. Well, I think, actually, I should clarify, I think that we are living in a bubble that you are not. Right. Yeah, yeah. I think, like, the world of premium cable and, like, i think that world is going to continue to grow right. we're living in like a weird like premium web series world that's but probably. also when 50 of your mm. friends have
0: sold shows to true tv and you've never heard of anyone that's watched true tv it's like yeah, yeah. i i did
1: see a, an article recently i'm sure you guys saw like the buzzfeed it blew up a watermelon on facebook the other day i didn't see that so uh, like like 300 a, million views yeah, or yeah it was, was some crazy it wasn't 300 million but it, i think it was like well, a million 1.5 somewhere in that range uh but i saw an article of like all the different tv shows that rated worse than the exploding watermelon oh no and it's like it's our favorite shows guys like togetherness was on there right. girls was on there there's a lot of, most shows are rating like a half a million viewers basically Right. But,
2: but what does that mean? Because we're talking about short content versus long content, you know? I mean.
1: Sure, sure, sure. It's it's apples and watermelons. Yeah. Hey. hey. Uh, but the point is, is that like uh, a show that wasn't on premium cable that rated for half a million, there's no way it would get two seasons. Right. You know what I mean? Like right. that's that's abysmal for most television. It's, it's just that like shows like girls are togetherness were nice and buzzy and both of them are canceled. So, yeah. you know, yeah. Yeah. RIP. They were great shows. Yeah.
0: Cool. Well, thanks for talking to us, Phil. Yeah, man. Thank you. My name is um, Phil. We want to, we want to stay updated on what happens with your show or other shows. Is there any, anything else that you're working on? Yeah. I'm working on two, to talk about? two other
2: shows. One's a show about, life after death and the other shows about a um covert police unit that was real and that is real still that mm-hmm. nobody knows about that's did some pretty crazy shit that it's amazing it's an amazing story so uh we have the life rights to it sign me up <laughs> cool <laughs> yeah. sell that shit i'm right. ready
1: to watch it all right we'll so phil it. we
0: do uh, uh on every episode we do some unpaid endorsements
1: <laughs> unpaid endorsements
2: uh endorsing i'm endorsing um my wife Lindsay Flores, she's a stylist. I am Lindsay Flores is her Instagram handle. Check her out. She's she's literally is the best stylist out there uh, that nobody knows about, you know, because she has some high profile clients, but she she doesn't like the spotlight. So, I want to put a little spotlight on her. Uh, oh, cool. Yeah. And That's a good uh, one. and uh IPA, uh, Lagunitas IPA. Lagunitas was a, a beer that sponsored my first film uh, back in 19 19- Ninety six, and they were just a struggling brewery. I was struggling, but they were struggling. We were struggling too, and they get they paid us some beer. They paid, and I paid my crew in beer. So, but now I'm enjoying a fine beer with you guys and it's News IPA.
0: Well, that that's great. I mean, as do you mind just elaborating a little bit? Like, let's say I was making a movie. For very little money, and I wanted a beer company to hook me up with a bunch of beers for my crew. How how do you go about doing that?
2: You just call them up and like you know you call your local brewery and like hey guys uh, we want you know would you endorse uh, our film? Uh, we just you know have like thirty people. We'll put your uh, icon you know in the, in the film. I'll put your label on the film and you know on uh, the posters and just advertisement. So and most people will because they they want advertisement and, and you're kind of scratching each other's backs.
0: That's awesome a really really bad endorsement but this is something that i told matt about and it changed his life i think so i'm going to tell you guys oh about. i'm excited to be reminded um it is a straight up product endorsement that i really like that i think every filmmaker must invest in a really good set of uh, headphones oh yeah <laughs> and that ones, is true these did change my life the ones uh we use are the sony mdr 7506 the way that i found them is like i was I went into some professional like post-production facility to like check out some i had to send that, give them my movie to put on a dvd or something and they were like oh can you just like make sure that this part sounds good and i they're like here's some headphones they gave me these headphones and i heard my movie this is after we'd like sound mixed it at like a really nice you know sound place and i just put on these headphones and i played my movie and i was like holy shit my movie has never sounded this good like <laughs> what are these headphones they must be like thousands of dollars and they're like no they're like standard headphones everyone has they're like a hundred bucks and so i just like bought them immediately and then when matt and i started podcasting today or together i was like you got to check out these headphones he's already bought two pairs um (laughs) they're awesome i don't know they have like excellent bass and i I don't know if you're editing things listening to things
1: they're really good for filmmaking they're super comfortable but i will caution you label them because everyone has those headphones as soon Uh, as you buy them you're like oh man like every job you're like whose headphones are these Uh, have you run into that yeah oh yeah oh wow yeah, I see them all the
0: time. Yeah, they're awesome. Yeah. Sorry, Phil Phil has no idea because we gave him <laughs> the the step down AKG. I can't even headphones. hear you guys. I've just <laughs> been reading your lips for the past hour.
1: It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty good. That
0: explains a lot. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, so so my unpaid endorsement. I was so excited. I had one locked and loaded, you guys, and then I was listening to Script Notes, our favorite podcast, on the drive over, and they talk about this article. Oh, serious? But you know what? It's so good. Even though I'm sure there's a huge crossover between our listeners and Script Notes, I'm doubling down, everyone. So uh, BuzzFeed uh, has an article called "I'm Not Going Away, People," and it's about director Karen Kasuma's oh yes career tra- trajectory. She directed Girl Fight. She broke in Sundance in two thousand. Uh, she directed Aeon Flux and then most recently The Invitation. Right. Um, which they just talked about it on script notes. They just talked about it on script notes. And then the next episode they talk about this article. But it's really great. It's really worth reading. And it's about um how you know she was in the spotlight. She was Girlfight was like a right. super buzzy, right. super Wait, popular. Was that a while ago? It was in 2000, right? Yeah, okay. Yeah. And like 16 it, years ago. Sixteen years ago it broke Michelle Rodriguez. I remember like girl fight was like a movie you could get at a blockbuster. Like that's how big of a break it was. It was like Sundance was a brand of like, this is where independent film is broken. These are the next big things. So it was like this perfect storm, you know, she's this young filmmaker. John sales was one of the producers on it, but it's all about, you know, the, the wave that she wrote. Like she, it took her a long time to get that film made. She was the shit on the block and then all of a sudden you know things didn't go so well and Ian Flux is kind of a nightmare situation where uh, she made a movie that she was really proud of and was really weird and as a fan of the cartoon right. that movie is very confusing and this article sort of explains why and then you know she went to director jail and then how she kind of climbed her way out of it and now she's super buzzy again so um, I think it's a really inspiring awesome article that you guys should all check out it will be in our show notes. Cool. I'll check it out.
2: You guys are really good at endorsing
1: thanks we've been doing it for a year man yeah, yeah yeah
0: this might be our year anniversary we have no idea
1: <laughs> <laughs> we should figure it out <laughs> um, phil
0: if anyone wants to follow you or see what you or the butcher brothers are up to is there
2: an easy place to see that i think there's a facebook uh link thing you know i'm the most on social media person i know uh so i'm not on anything but uh mitch kind of carries a torch for most of that so there's a facebook uh page for that he's uh, got an instagram account too so follow him. I don't know what, what it's called, actually. <laughs> okay,
0: cool. And you have, did you okay, produce cool. Snuff?
2: Yeah. So, okay, yeah. Uh, I should probably endorse that. Beginner's Guide to Snuff is the last film I produced with um, Mitch Altieri and Corey Knopf. It was uh, Corey's uh, production. Mitch directed it. and uh, It's about these
0: guys that are trying to make a real Snuff film, which, you know, for those that don't know, is a film where somebody
2: dies for real in it right they're trying to make a real fake snuff film uh so they bring in a uh an actress who they you know think can play the part but then she sucks kind of and so they just decide to really kidnap her but she turns the tables on them so it's it's a nice revenge story that turns Uh, it horror comedy comedy horror
0: oh sorry yeah i'm way way off (laughs) my wife has a very small part in it
2: that's true she's great in it she's funny Beginner's Guide to Snuff. I think uh, it's gonna be. It just uh, played at the Cleveland
0: Film Festival. It's Going to Nashville
2: uh, and probably like a month from now. You know, it's gonna get some kind of release. Uh, uh, it's fun. It's really fun. You know, it's like dirty, gritty, funny, strange. Like maybe some Coen Brothers in there somewhere. You know, it's good. It's good. Watch it.
0: And very, very well-known visual effects artist. to yeah. our
1: fans.
2: Yeah, <laughs> we call him Okay. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, Phil, that sounds incredible. Thanks for so much for joining us. Thank you guys for having me at the uh, the table. Yeah. yeah. If you want to learn more about the show, you can visit JustShootItPod.com. Check out our show notes. All the stuff that we talked about will be there. Or you can follow us on Twitter at JustShootItPod. You can follow me at Mr. Matt Enlow. And you can follow me at Pyleg. Drop us a line. Ask us some questions. We will talk about it on the air. In the meantime, this episode was edited by Eric Cropot. Bye.
0: But before we get into that, have you been working on anything interesting lately?
1: Now you're just trying to get my goat. What do you mean? What have you been working on lately?
0: Yeah, I'm trying to paraphrase. Okay, but before we get into that, Matt, what have you been working on lately? 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 Matt, what have you been working on lately?